Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for joining me today. Super excited to catch up, my man, on everything you and Indo Soul is doing and producing and creating. If anybody wants to listen to our original episode and kind of get the full gambit and story of Indo Soul, that's episode 11. I'll, I'll link that into the show notes a little bit back in the day there. I, I want to kind of kind of have some, some interesting news and, and some big things that you guys have been working on for so long that I, I wanted to give you, a, give you an opportunity to, to chat about, discuss. So, so talk us through what you and the team at Indosol has been working on for the last you know couple of years or so and, and what, what are you bringing to the world? Yeah, thanks Grant. Pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of what you have done and what you're still doing with Cause Artist. So it's always an honor. Uh, Indosol, it's been a it's been a crazy, crazy journey. We're in our 13th year, which wow. is hard, hard to believe sometimes, you know, like I wake up in the morning, like I can't believe I've been doing this for 13 years. I feel <laughs> very, very blessed <laughs> that uh, it's been my lifestyle and it's been a hell of a challenge at the same same time. COVID times were, were pretty tough, you know, uh, I was definitely a roller coaster ride with initial shutdowns and us losing retailers and our business taking a big dip and then us coming battling back and I felt like it was a true testament for our team and our, our resiliency and we just we kind of we talk about it all the time it's like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger mm-hmm. kind of thing because we spent that time renegotiating contracts and just like really understanding more about what we are doing here and where we could potentially go the need to get more creative in various different ways whether it's our distribution channels and how we sell the products we make and how we're making a a difference. And with that, we just we've always wanted to be the, the best company that we can be and, and with having our heart in the right place and making the best product that we can and affecting people in, in a way. I mean, it's just, we're, we're a tiny brand and we're a tiny example of a solution to a big problem, right? But it's always been our goal to just people thinking. We always felt like if we can get people thinking about, you know, manufacturing and how it relates to to waste and waste materials in the world, then we're doing our job and people just kind of taking the blinders off. And that's what we originally set out to do with recycling tires and turning those into the, the soles of sandals, uh, which we've been doing for 13 years and will continue to do. But the new development that you mentioned is really exciting for us. And we call that uh, sneaker technology, uh, also known as the lost soul, which was kind of this like, you know, um, fun spinoff that we, we wanted to put and in, in develop in people's minds. Basically, uh, amongst our travels in Indonesia, and while we were pulling tires out of the landfill and grinding those to, to sandal soles, we discovered that there's many other waste products really useful, one of which being sneaker parts. So yeah. you have huge factories in, in Indonesia, which is just one of the hubs of footwear manufacturing in the world. Each month, there's millions of pairs of sneakers being made in Indonesia by the big brands that we all know and love and probably grew up wearing is that they are producing all these shoes, but they also have a lot of defects. So mm-hmm. they have, you know, these these rubber soles that go through a process to be pressed into a mold. And then when they come out, they're adhered to the upper of the shoe. So it's really just the bottom part, right? So that bottom part or gotcha. that, uh, you know, basically like the meat of 
the shoe. Uh, those had been throwing away, thrown away as as defect. Uh, so we had found out that some of these bigger companies didn't have a use for them and they were throwing them in the landfill, which is horrible because it's wasteful. This are material that would take you know, potentially up to a thousand years to break down due to the nature of it. And also they could be used for something else. You know, they could be a new product. So we started testing with it and started just taking these these tire sole, uh, sorry, sneaker soles and, and grinding them down and testing with the powder, we found that we could press it into a shoe sole uh, the same as we had been doing with the tires. And even more exciting because when we work with tires, they're only black, right? You can't really implement any right, color right. into them unless you like paint them or something, which could be toxic. We always want to have colored soles because we thought that was cool. <laughs> and a sustainable brand, we want to, we always want to evolve and, and have more style and have more fun. So the sneaker sole technology, we found that we could add colors in uh, with like a natural dye powder and mix that in. And then we have recycled sneaker soles and they're super durable. They're grippy as you would, as you would think, like they grip, <laughs> grip the ground <laughs> very well. And, uh, and they're rad. Yeah. So we're just, we're excited about this, this new launch and we got it going with a, with a, collaboration with a popular surf brand in California called Visla, where they wanted to take the Pantone of the jade green that they use and then turn that into a jade green sole with a black upper sandal. And it looks dope. And that one's selling really well. And then we have our own collection of, of sneaker sole products for, for men and women in flip-flops, slides, and platforms for women. It's I just know all the, the, the long journey you've been through, man. It's just so, it's so awesome to see you and your team stick through it. And I mean, look, like it's hard enough to build from scratch and, and, and build something like this that truly takes an account sort of every process in the supply chain. And then COVID on, on top of it, right? Just kind of gives you this, this kick in the gut. And, you know, a lot of small brands can't survive, couldn't survive. Um, so it's just a testament to, to the brand as well, right? Because I think, you know, people still still try to support in, in, in harder times. I think hopefully, you know, customers understood that and hopefully there was some support there from just buying backlog of products and things like that. But it's just, it's unbelievable the perseverance, man, that, that you and the team have had. You had mentioned that you come to find out that these sort of sneakers were kind of being thrown into the to to, to landfills and and sort of tossed out as garbage. Like, how did you come even about finding that this was even an opportunity? Yeah, thank, I mean, thanks for all that, by the way. And yeah, it's couldn't agree more. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it, it's a it's a blessing that we're that we're still around. It's like you know when you start something, you don't know like what's what's going to happen, right? You just you dive in, you diving in feet first, and see, you know let's go. Uh, but here we are, years later, and and evolving. So that's so that's great. I mean, to answer your your question about the the sneaker parts, you know, for a brand like Indosol, we're we're small, right? We're small small teams. So we really depend on our partnerships. Partnerships that we've created over the years are valuable in every way. So we have this processor in Jakarta area, Indonesia, and him and his team have always been the ones that help us collect tires, take in the tires, and then grind them down and make them into our tire soles. So the same is happening with the sneakers, and he basically had gotten the line on this yeah this tragic event that these 
huge brands were dumping this stuff in the landfill mm. um, because through his connections and he found there was just giant mounds of it. Like, it couldn't be missed. So wow. uh, long story short, he started grabbing them and taking them back to his, his place, his shop and, and starting to work with them and trying to make them into other materials. Like you can make them into countertop materials. Like there's, there's tons mm. of different applications for these waste materials that people don't even know. And we're actually at the front end of it. So it was really exciting when we uh, spoke with him and he said, oh yeah, you know, I'm diverting all of this over here in like, let's take a look and see what we can do with it. So we did. I mean, we just started playing around and there was just trial and error from there and, and just getting uh, the consistency right, the granule down to the to the right you know, level and then testing it, printing it out, and then you wear it and wear it hard and make sure it doesn't break and fall apart. Ultimately, with that, is create more waste around the world, right? So if you're walking sure. around and it's, you know, you got, you got waste material flaking off the bottom of your shoes, you're doing more harm than good in the end. So we want to make sure it was really solid. It's going to, yeah, it was going to realistically do its job and it did. So <laughs> you said, you mentioned that the, the process is, is it drastically like, did you have to build from scratch to do this process versus, you know, you had the process down pat for a decade of, you know, turning whether it's motorcycle tires or car tires, truck tires into these soles. Was some of the applications for that similar to when you're doing it through? It was, relieving to see a lot of our hard work pay off and all that we've learned in working with the tires because that was a crazy journey in itself because when we started anyone that had worked with tire products in the past had been hand cutting them and then adhering them onto the uppers of shoes. So it was like a full, like hand done, old fashioned upcycling process. And then we wanted to streamline that by grinding the tires down and then creating a mixture. So that was that was the original, you know, breakthrough for us was the engineering aspect of taking this tire powder and then, okay, what do we mix it with? Because it can't just make a shoe sole on its own because it's not chemically going to be correct. It's not going to come out properly or it may not last and might fall apart. So it needs to be mixed. So we found that 40% recycled tire powder mixed with, you know, some bit of synthetic and some other recycled rubber or recycled foam, you know, and you bond it all together and then you've got really solid sandal sandal or shoe sole that will last and will not fall apart doesn't flake off so it was that really that same process with the with the sneaker uh parts whereas uh we just played with different formulas and different mixtures which is kind of our secret so I can't you know i could tell you, yeah. and I have to tell you. <laughs> did you ever think that you'd be a uh, a tire scientist i mean it's gotta be wild like the stuff you're like saying is like gotta be so wild because i just you know the, the yeah, origin stories right like you just kind of went on a trip to, to indonesia and now all of a sudden you're like sorry yeah. tire scientist you know it's gotta be it's gotta be crazy to think about i know yeah i never knew i'd be a tire fanatic and it's like <laughs> i didn't see that coming i don't know why um you know we all have our niche and we just stumble across things but i'm just like you know at the end of the day i'm, I'm more so a sales guy i owe you know owe a lot of the credit to our partner kai who had spent time and just and actually working with this processor 
started developing this material. So really he, you know, he was there, you know, rolled up the sleeves, had to test a bunch of things, you know, have things work, have things not work, go back and try it again. So it was just matches up with the Indosol mentality. It's just, you know, don't give up, keep in and figure it out. So we've figured out a lot on our own over the years. But like I said, the partnerships have been key as well. And hopefully, hopefully we can keep this going and find something else that's like, you know, cool waste material that might be useful and just continue, you know, turn this into a legacy of sorts. But uh, it's been cool to see our customers reaction because yeah, again, we've had like the same people buying our tire sold mm-hmm. sandals for years. And although we're a tiny brand, we have this kind of loyal customer base and this fan base, like people that just like love our stuff. So when they, when we release this one, they're like, oh, sweet. Like, you know, I can extend my collection and and have these well, new colored soles. So yeah, especially with the colors, right? That's, that changes a lot yeah. of bringing new customers away. I love I love when when brands do the partnerships with other brands. I think that that cross vertical is is something that. I kind of see more and more of, but it, it seems like it's growing a little bit. Is there any other partnerships that I guess when that when that sort of comes to to happen, you know, for for brands that would would like to do that, like do they come to you? Do you go to them? How, how does that process work? Because I, I think it's just awesome when, when when brands do it together. Yeah, I agree, and that brings up a, a great point and something that you know I feel wholeheartedly is is important. Um, especially in this this day and age is that as a footwear brand like you know we're not we like to remain versatile um you know again because we're smaller we want to be able to work with other other companies or nonprofits or organizations or hotels and resorts and help them right. uh, offer more sustainable products right or to tell better stories about their products and where they come from and where they're going so the customer can feel more educated and just feel more a part of it so we you know one of the things we really realized during during the covid times is like you know necessarily do this on our own like we're not like Nike, for example it's like we don't have have that budget to get everything out there in a time where it's like you know if you really want to get your brand out there you got to pay big money uh you might be buying a ton of instagram or facebook ads to just pump it into in, into people's faces but having brand collaborations right. and brand partnerships are amazing <laughs> for both sides because then you got a new product something new to talk about from our side we're happy to do it and you know do kind of the, the heavy lifting and then together we launch it and then you've got double the impact double the marketing and double the reach uh so this past year yeah we did we did that products being sold in their stores and sold on their website and nice. now we're, we're cooking um, a couple new ones for next year which we're a little bit early in the process i i don't want to uh, let the sure. yeah, no worries. um but um yeah but they're brands that you know you definitely probably have heard of uh <laughs> doing good, are doing good things and we don't want to stop there we want like we want to be kind of like like the like the sandal like sandal brand that's like a ninja and can be you know like out there yeah. you know like on the underground like you want to be like on the <laughs> yeah <underground. laughs> like not super commercial but suddenly you'll see us pop up and be like whoa what and like these guys partner with these guys like wow yeah, that's rad I like that um, yeah you yeah. know so it's like kind of we're kind of a dark horse but if we can keep having these kinds of deals and experiences we're going to start coming up it's always tough to introduce you know new products 
Wait, I know you did the coasters, right? Because I'm just thinking of rubber, right? It's like you said, it's so durable. It can be sustainable if you treat it the right way, right? And it just, it kind of lasts. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it lasts forever, right? So if you could, if you could figure out a way to, to implement it in people's lives and they understand, you know, what it can do and it's life expectancy, like the coasters, I think were such a great idea, but I'm thinking like iPhone cases and like Apple watch bands, right? Like there is... And I know, look, product development, it's crazy, right? But like, is that something you think about? Or is it like, hey, we're just going to be the best sort of sole company in the world, right? And really focus on footwear. Yeah. Oh, no, that's exactly it. Uh, It's taken us longer than we ever thought of to get to this point where we're like, okay, footwear is moving strong. And we have this, this customer base, like we have a good nucleus off of it you know it's like we're not the first we're not the first brand to come up with this idea to like have this kind of sexy product at the forefront but behind it you know might be a more commercial everyday type product which could apply to a broader base of people you know and that's kind of what our our goal had been it's just that we chose footwear which is the hardest market you can possibly choose we're like oh man like we really could have more than we can chew and just starting with footwear didn't move as quickly as as it could there's so many variables right but the idea was what for the sandal to be a vehicle towards the next product line using other waste materials. And the coaster was the early release, uh, but we're not done there. The, the coaster is just a, a symbol of what's possible, that there are other products that could be made. If you look at waste materials in a different light, there's you know, there's household goods, there's home goods, there's yard, there's safety materials. Yeah, there's yeah. so many useless things. Um, the comparison I always like to use is the trash can. It's like, okay, you have a trash can in your office or something. It's like, why the heck they make that trash can out of brand new plastic or yeah. brand new rubber? Like all it does is whole trash with a stupid thing. Um, so it's like, for example, those are the types of, those are the, those, those are the, that's the way we're thinking. And luckily those, those types of, you know, recycled material trash cans are out on the market now, but how do they reach the mass? How does that become the norm? Right. It's just like, so every brand or every company is making these products out of, yeah. out of reused or recycled materials instead of new stuff. I wanted to ask a little bit about COVID and, and kind of what, what you learned from that. And I, I guess that I look at it like before COVID, after COVID. So like BC, there's things functioned a certain way, right? You had your your efficiencies you had down, you had sort of the, the business approach on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And then after COVID, right, things changed. You said, you know, you took some time to look at partners, partner relations and partner contracts and maybe some other things in, in the company's ecosystem. What did you take out of that? Like experience just as like a business operator on has has a lot changed now after coming out of it and things normalizing a bit um, or do you are you falling back a little bit into into sort of normal protocols yeah that's that's a great great question especially at the end there I mean like I, I mentioned at the beginning you know at the at the onset of uh, COVID and lockdowns and all that the timing for us and for seasonal retail for a brand right. heading into spring slash summer couldn't have been worse because our lockdown started the middle of March 2020 which is exactly Exactly. Right. The week, the week or the weeks that we started to deliver. So we had big retailers like REI that we were delivering to. And suddenly the email comes through like, stop, wait, 
wait, don't ship, don't ship. Yeah. Order canceled, order canceled. <laughs> and uh, and those orders and those emails are just flying through from our our retailers. So oh. you know they didn't want to get stuck with product. They didn't want to get stuck with a bill that they knew they couldn't afford. So it really it fell back on us. And meanwhile, the factory was sitting there tapping their fingers like, oh, well, we already shipped you your goods. You know, we we still need to get paid. That's been out the door. But meanwhile, right. we didn't really have the means to to flow through and pay the factory and pay all of our bills. So it's just like, as you can imagine, it was the bomb was was just kind of dropped on us out of out of nowhere. Yeah. So we there was a, just an immediate shock and had to really slow things down. You know, for me personally, at the time, I had roommates in San Francisco and I had this apartment and I'm like, you know, I had my bedroom and I was basically hunkered down in there like day and night, just hammering the phones, <laughs> trying to trying to, <laughs> trying to figure stuff out, you know, talking to advisors or, you know, they're also shareholders in the company. Like, what should I do? You know, like, what's your advice? Like, I got, the, you know, we got this, that and the other bill to pay and, you know, we're not shipping. Like, what do you, what do you suggest here? You know, luckily I had some some good advisors, you know, helping, helping me and us through it uh, from the Bali side. And we depend so much on our team over in Bali. Like that was just shut down pretty much overnight. And then a lot of the, you know, tourism and people that were spending the money right. started to leave to leave Bali. And I really felt badly for them and our crew over there because aside from being in lockdown and locked in their house, they couldn't even go to the beach. I mean, it's like, mm. you know, the beach is, the beach is closed. Like you're in Bali, you know, you don't have a means to make income. You can't go to the beach. You know, it's, <laughs> it's tough. And then as time went on in Indonesia and Bali has just started to really just get dismantled as far as their economy goes. There was even people starving and in, in North of Bali that just like literally couldn't even get food. So we do um, our team over on that side, you know, shifted from a day to day of trying to get money into our retail shop. And then they were uh, helping out this like soup kitchen, basically, um, when you got into months two and three of the whole lockdown and uh, creating this program of, you know, getting food to the people who need it. And that was that was awesome that that they did that. And, you know, as a brand, we felt like we could be part of that, even though we were struggling hard and had virtually zero income right. coming in at the, at the time. Meanwhile, I was in SF renegotiating some of our debts, you know, like things like that. Like we had things piled up. Like I said, we, you know, we owed the factory money. We owed, you know, money to, to various lenders that we had taken lines of credit for 2009 in 2019 and 20 it was we wanted to significantly like ramp up the business like we were right. playing it for for growth so we we had rolled the dice and taken some cash to invest in our marketing and trade shows and that stuff so you know with that there came a couple layoffs you know we had to let a couple people go um we were able to help them get some relief you know like some you know unemployment and and things like that so that was that was tough you know it's like you never want to let anybody go but fortunately for us at a crew of say 14 there was only only a couple of them um which were mainly on the US and you know there's more there's more relief you know in Indonesia yeah. there wasn't right. there was no right. there wasn't anything there were no no stimulus checks there was no one un, no unemployment and and it felt like in the US even though we were devastated in the USA people were still like oh well this is kind of cool like you know get, getting a check here and there and kind of hanging out it feels like nice to have this little break uh even though it feels like the world's falling apart but for us like you know the what we what we realized is that there's a way to run the business leader you know get on the world wide web and start 
and start turning it out. Also, and just in that short term, we were able to sell all the inventory we had off our website. We just our website started going bananas, and luckily we were wow. we were set up to take advantage of it. So we we salvaged it. We got a we got a loan from the the government, you know, the SBA, yep. and that that really helped. But what we realized on the back end is that COVID was like one of the biggest promotions for sustainability and waste control that there ever has been. You know, you had like all this stuff double wrapped in plastic, rubber gloves everywhere that were all over the streets, all on the beaches. Suddenly there's just like all this additional crap that just been thrown at us. And then suddenly the Indosol story is like more relevant than it ever had been. So we were we were so grateful that people were really understanding the waste problem thereafter and still and you know still now I feel like we're still kind of in this ramp up period where uh, all the brands, uh, whether it's home goods and natural supplies are being forced to get real certifications. You know, yep. kind of like B, like B Corp, which we swear by, or whether it's fair trade or uh, carbon carbon neutrality, it's becoming more of a thing. It's becoming more of the standard, not just like a fancy tagline. No doubt about it. I see such a transition from everybody kind of you know coming into our wheelhouse, which you know we've been in for you know a decade. You know, we we've kind of this is this should be the norm that long ago, right? So finally, I think the the transition is sort of happening at scale. You mentioned that the the site kind of went up a little bit in traffic and you saw some some uptick in that. What do you think that was due to? Did you did you run any specific like campaigns or anything like that? Or you just was it just think people were at home more and they had time to search and look up certain words and like what do you attribute to sort of the growth on online commerce was? Yeah, yeah. Again, even though it hurt that we lost our our wholesale, our brick and mortar wholesale accounts that season, we diverted it into the web. And obviously, because everybody was home, they were just ordering yeah. things. And then suddenly, people weren't spending money on things like going out to the bar or or shopping. I think people had a, a bit more cash, and they were just more aware and more willing to learn about new brands and search the internet. Yeah. Um, but that was also in an era in 2020, right through halfway through 2021, where Facebook um, advertising and Instagram advertising were just lighting up. Like people were just like, it was really working. And, and brands like Indosol were seeing a really high return on ad spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were pumping pumping out ads uh, and with hopes to expand our our customer base and get the story out. And again, it just, it seemed to, seemed to resonate because it was a bit more relevant with a simultaneous influx of, of waste in the world. And then, but once we got to 2021, the, the playing field seemed to really even out with yeah. iOS, iOS updates from Apple, which yeah. slowed, slowed brands down in their efficiency to get these ads out and also the data reporting. Um, and that's still, I mean, they're still kind of thrown for a loop as far as web marketing. Fortunate for us, wholesale is is back and we're delivering to retailers again. Uh, how we change is we tightened up our terms. So we just, we need to get paid we need to get paid as quickly as possible. We can't give wholesalers more than 30 days. <laughs> you never know when the next pandemic's coming. They're like, what's going to happen? So as, as long as everyone can pay and pay us in a reasonable time frame, you know, we want to go back to to selling to, to wholesale. But it's always a you know, new day, new problems, right? Uh, so you get supply chain has been a big uh, conversation piece in our industry 
where it's been really hard to get products into the country. So we're shipping from Indonesia. Uh, and at the beginning, that was fine. And our our container loads and that were coming in the boat were sneaking through. But um, this past spring, we got we got pretty rocked by the supply chain. And we had a container leave Indonesia in March, and we didn't even get it till like the middle of May or something. Um, so it just it took it took like nearly three months to get across the, the ocean and into our hands, which is very irregular. Um, is, on top of that, everything's way more expensive. Yeah. And did you have to raise, do you have to raise prices be, because of that? Yeah. Unfortunately we have, uh, because when we looked at our bottom line, we, we just haven't been able to make, make money and, you know, survive as a business unless we did that, um, unless the, the consumer will, will share it with us. But from our side, we're committed to strengthening the brand and again, telling better stories and becoming a bigger part of the community. Like, so we're, we're have this really great partnership that we're starting with a, a bunch of nonprofits. So maybe mm-hmm. next time we talk, we'll be talking about that and more so about the non the nonprofits that we're partnering towards and then giving back, giving back to various nonprofits based on color. So for mm-hmm. us, we have all these, you know, so each color that we have for our sandals represents a different natural element. So mm-hmm. uh, the leaf, Leaf green represents the rainforests and the jungles. Then you get shore, which represents, of course, the ocean. So we have a nonprofit that we'll be giving back for as attached to the shore blue and as well as the sea salt white. And then the brown is for soil, you know, represents the earth. The black will be a wildlife fund and our rust colored sandal will be to protect the orangutans, for example, <laughs> in Indonesia, which are an endangered species. So we got like these really cool. That's awesome. Man. You bury the lead. You bury the lead. Yeah. That. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how did you, how did you choose the, I'm always interested of how, how people choose nonprofits that they work with. Yeah. Great, great question. Um, yeah. Some of them were just, you know, there were nonprofits that were in our network for a while. For example, this one that we'll work with on the ocean side of things called sea trees. And they're, they're just like Indosol. They have a crossover between California, San Francisco specifically and Indonesia where they're doing, they're doing things on the, on each end. So they're, uh, they're, they're planting um, and rebuilding mangrove forests and also doing coral restoration projects in various parts of the world. But they started with some of these specific projects in Indonesia. So Sea Trees will be one of our, our key give back partners for the shore right. blue sandal and the sea salt. And they're one we're really excited about. And then we wanted to have different aspects which resonated with people all around the world like every you know just about everybody loves animals right it's like you need to have one that protects animals this is great news to hear i love i love this idea (laughs) yeah Um, yeah thanks yeah yeah i want to end on sort of the the last question is a little bit about america right you kind of mentioned supply chain and shipping and and look there's a lot of different dynamics that go into manufacturing you know there's a ton of probably rubber waste in SF, right? Or in any city in America. Is there a way to take your model into the US or is it, would it be just, just be too expensive from a production standpoint for it to be feasible to do so? Yeah. Um, well, from our analysis, the footwear manufacturing part is to do it all in the US is possible, but to do it from A to Z is expensive. So what we're looking for 
is an outfit that's already set up to do right, it. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's got either half of it figured out. So like, you know, we have made connections with uh, a group that grinds down the tire into a granule, right? So they got, they got the tire recycling going over there. Okay. What's the next level who can mm, um, right. turn that into to footwear molds and who can make the uppers of the sandals and all of that. And we're confident we'll get there, but we don't have it figured out yet is all I can say. We do have a partnership in Guatemala that we've started that we're uh, produ- yeah. producing an Indosol like product uh, with a with a group in Guatemala. So that's moving along. It's taking time, but they are really enthusiastic. And that's a country that's has a ton of potential and amazing manufacturing. Yeah. And of course they got waste tires like everybody does. <laughs> uh, they got the sneaker parts too. And, you know, we could, we could create something. And that what we've learned with these challenges with the supply chain is it's all about like, you know, creating micro economies yeah. Yeah. in other areas of the world, right? So eliminate, eliminate the, you know, the need for shipping across the world, reduce right. the carbon footprint, support local economy and have these little like micro, you know, micro hubs set up. And if you can achieve that and figure that out through the supply chain, that's a really powerful and really cool story. Yeah. I know. I mean, creating local jobs in these areas, removing waste, like the ecosystem becomes really powerful for all the economies involved, all the players involved. So, I mean, that's amazing, man. I hope hope next time we talk, that's there's another hub kind of spun up and, and doing its thing. Yeah, absolutely. I will like, keep you keep you posted. And <laughs> again, you know, love always love being a part of it with uh with cause artists and love to keep it going. Appreciate you taking the time, my man. I know you've had a whirlwind couple years here. Glad we finally got to do this and and really just kudos to, to you and the team, man. I, I really uh, I'm looking forward to everything you guys do. Keep up the great work and best of luck for the next next 13 years, man. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Grant. 